The Holy Gospel according to John, the second chapter. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, and each holding twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. And when the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, but then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. <coughs> Jesus did this the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory. And his, and his disciples believed in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you may be seated, and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. I was okay with me. You were? I was. It was kind of weird. 
about the same amount of interest. So, let me tell you one way that Jesus surprised, surprised me, at least recently. Uh, the other day, I was in the store, and I really like frozen pizza. Do you guys like frozen pizza? find in the freezer section and you put it in the oven and it becomes pizza after a while. It's kind of nice. I really like it. Don't worry about it. I like pizza. Uh, I like pepperoni. So I was cooking a, uh, I was thinking about making pizza that night and I realized that I can have pizza whenever I want. But there's two main reasons I probably shouldn't buy pizza that day. One, I have plenty of healthy choices at home. Two, I could probably use that money for something better than pizza. Now, I didn't expect for such enlightenment or such purposeful direction from God to happen in the grocery store. God surprised me. I thought God would just kind of leave me alone and go left, and God was actually going right. Kind of like the road was long. But, since I was paying attention, I decided not to get a pizza. I went home and had a salad. <laughs> Now this might seem silly, right? But it's those moments when you least expect it that God God can surprise you. And just like when it's foggy, you need to pay attention to what God is doing. Gotta say yes. Again, paying attention. <laughs> paying attention is a good thing. We all lack attention sometimes, but right now, we pay attention. So here's a good example of getting attention. Everybody look at my notes. It's a good note. It's okay. This week, I want you to see if you can figure out what God is asking you to do. Now, God's not going to talk to you. Well, God might, but typically God doesn't talk to you just like I talk to you, just out with words. And God talks to you in here and in here, making sure that you're doing what Jesus would do in those times. Next week, we're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit about what God asked us to do. Okay? So, pay attention. Shall we pray? Let us pray. God, we give you thanks. In the midst of surprising events, in the midst of times when we might not be paying attention, you alert us. You wake us up. You make us pay attention to what you're doing, what you're saying, and our lives are better for it. We ask that this week you might show yourself to each and every individual one of these people. And that next week we might see how you've been acting in our lives. <coughs> Here, name we pray. Amen.
I will admit that when driving in the fog in a place that I don't know very well, I too encounter mailboxes really up close and personal. But not very often. Is it not working? Are we muted? Hi. Hey. Good job, sound technician. All right. I admit that when I am driving in the fog in new places, sometimes the road bends right when I think it's bending left. Now around here, I've got some of these roads down pretty well. And some of the roads uh, a little less well. As I'm driving throughout the week for different pastorly things, I'll go to York and I'll go to Hanover, I'll go to Chambersburg, I'll go all over the place. On a regular basis, I encounter a road that I haven't met before. And when it's foggy, or when it's snowing, or when it's raining, sometimes the road will bend right when I think it's bending left. This is not a sermon about paying attention when you're driving, though you should. This is a sermon about when things surprise us, picking between what we follow. When I think the road is supposed to bend right and the road bends left, is it more important that I follow what I think the road should be doing or is it more important that I follow the road? Well, nine times out of ten, you're going to want to follow the road. You're going to run out of road real quick if you only go where you think it's supposed to go. In today's text, in the wedding at Cana, I think God does something where the road bends right when we think it's supposed to bend left. Here in today's text, Jesus, after a few days, Jesus in the Gospel of John is announced in kind of that mystic way, right? It's announced by an unnamed narrator where in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. That's how we come to know Jesus. Not through a birth narrative, but through the Word made flesh. And then, G and then John, the, John the Baptist, when he sees Jesus appro approaching, announces this is who Jesus is. And, G and John d then does that three days in a row. And slowly, each time, disciples start following Jesus. And Jesus has a mantra that he repeats the whole time. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see. And then on the third day, Jesus, after traveling into Galilee, arrives at a wedding at Cana that his mother was also at. And his mother says, they've run out of wine. And Jesus said, it's not any of my business. <laughs> and Mary, in very good fashion, says, do whatever he tells you to do. And Jesus goes right when I think he's going left. To people who have already consumed all the wine for the feast. To people who, as the story admits, were already drunk with wine. Jesus makes six containers, each holding 20 or 30 gallons of more wine. Now, my mother was always good to tell me that, watch what you drink, right? There was this understanding that's often in American culture, our post, I just did this in Sunday school, post-prohibition, post-Puritan, and yet still embedded within our culture, culture, of watching what you drink, especially inside Christian values, not to become drunk. And here in the story, here in the text today, Jesus is providing on a conservative estimate 
120 gallons of wine. They're not going to stay sober very long, are they? <laughs> like, it's just the way wine works. We have to admit that in the story. And so we're encountered with something, and it seems frivolous, right? Because it's just one of many, many miracles. It's just one of many, many things. But here at the commissioning moment in John of Jesus' ministry, where Jesus, much like the rest of his ministry, is asked into ministry. Not walking in, seeking to perform it, but one person, this time his mother, asks him into ministry. And his response to a party running out of wine is to provide more wine. Where we think inside of our American Christian values that Jesus wants to go right, Jesus goes left. For us, it's the opportunity to realize that we follow not a God that we've been strictly taught, but God. We follow not the scripture that we have strictly memorized, but the word. We follow not the culture and not the understanding of our parents and our grandparents and our forebears, but God. Whenever we think God is supposed to do one thing and God does another, it is important that we do what God's doing. Not what we think God should be doing. Now this is tricky. On a number of levels, this is tricky. If you're like me, and often we are, I value immensely the way that God was taught to me through my parents, through my grandparents, through people and places and experiences that I value, that I hold as wise and good in my eyes. But as I read scripture and as I meditate and as I live life, some of those wise things are eroded away. And some of those very intelligent things seem to have tension with what's in scripture, seem to have tension with what I experience in daily life. And so I am met with a choice. I'm met with a challenge. What am I following? And it's not always an answer of either or. Sometimes it's an answer of a new hybrid that happens of an understanding of who God is for me personally. And then I share that just as generations before and generations after have shared that too. For us, we understand, each one of us individually and collectively as a whole, who, we have who God is as we have been taught. As God has been taught to you and your private families, in your common circles, and together here as Trinity Lutheran Church in Upper Adams County, we know, at least in part, who God is. But as we move through life, and as we move in faith, and as we repeatedly encounter scripture that has been encountered for century and millennia before, we will come to know God differently. God will move, as God always has in one direction when we're heading another. 
Is it better to follow the road that you think is supposed to be there or to follow the road where it is? It is not easy and it is not a light responsibility that you are given in a life of faith to follow God. Not just scripture, not just what's been taught, not just how you think it should be and how you understand God, but to follow a God that is very real and very outside you, fully God and fully in God's prerogative, able to do whatever God wants. But in that following, we come to know Christ more fully. It is our job as Christians to take the story and to help shape it. The story was told to you as you were young and as you were old and everywhere in between. The story was told to you. It is your job to see the God in our midst, to witness the God in Adams County and beyond, and to then to the people, both in younger generations and in older, say where you see it. Announce where this Christ has been alive in our midst. The wedding feast at Cana in the Gospel of John was the first point where the disciples saw this and believed. And the only way we know it is because they told other people. It's the first point. It's the commissioning point where the responsibility of the disciples of Christ to tell what Christ was doing came. Know that I will be praying for you. That as you stand in a very long line of disciples before, as you struggle to see where Christ is in our midst, and as from time to time Christ makes a turn that you don't expect, I'll be praying for you that you might have the gall to go where you don't expect. To believe where you have not believed before. To have faith in places that you haven't even perceived. And that after that, you might come back and tell us about it. Tell us who Christ is today in Upper Adams. Tell us where the wedding feast at Canaan took place. God be with you and with me as the story continues. Amen.